This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tip industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. Coming to you live from my closet again. You know, I've got the perfect spot in our house to make a little soundproof booth to record all this stuff in. The only problem, it's currently in nursery, so it might be another year or so before I can make that a reality, which unfortunately means that I have to record all the interviews in my current office, and it's kind of echoey, even with an upgraded mic. Sad face. But as for this episode, one other thing you should know about me I'm a self-described manufacturing nerd. I love to see how things are made, specifically hot tubs, and I'm fascinated by how the tiniest, most inconsequential seeming change can save time and money. We move this bolt up one inch, and now the factory worker can make five an hour instead of two. I'm sorry, what? Whenever I go see customers, you know, when we used to see people in person, I'm deeply disappointed when they don't let me watch something get built. I mean, you've all seen a vacuum former pull a shell before, right? It's more than slightly satisfying. But I digress. Needless to say, this conversation with Alan and Vic from CMP was fun for me. And I should also say, Marquis is the sponsor of this episode, but they had no idea we would be talking about them so much. It just so happened they had a recent project with CMP that I was aware of, so we had some common ground as far as their collaborative process goes. Also, Vic started Hitzkot's career at Dimension One Spas, so we get pretty in-depth about some of the designs and innovations that came out of his time with them. D1, not a podcast sponsor, also has no idea we're talking about them. I hope you enjoy it, and without further delay, this is Alan and Vic from CMP. Welcome to the Spa Retailer Podcast. Uh, today we have Alan Kalkamy from the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at CMP and Vic Walker, the Director of Marketing and Product Design at CMP. Thanks so much for coming on, you guys. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank, thank you very you. much for having us. You know, on the podcast this year, um, I've kind of made a special point to have a lot more of the suppliers on, especially with the pandemic supply chain has become a lot more front of mind for people than I think it normally is. I think everyone just is like, oh, it's this part that I got in my tub and they don't put a whole lot of thought into it, at least when it gets down to the retailer level. But the, this year, suddenly all those parts and pieces have become a big part of uh, what everybody is, is thinking about and worrying about. So <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad for you guys that you're suddenly a front of mind for a lot of the industry. <laughs> We're kind of like the hidden superheroes. We're like the superheroes that come in the night. And I think most people that buy a hot tub don't really understand how it gets put together. And they probably do assume that whomever they're purchasing from is making everything. And that's just not the case. But, you know, that's not the case with uh, a lot of consumer products you buy. When you buy a car, Ford doesn't make every part on the car, right? They have a lot of valued partners. And that's the same for our OEM customers, we're a valued partner for them. And uh, while we're mostly not in the spotlight, we are now, yeah, obviously. Before we get into more of that though, can, would you mind both of you just giving me a little bit of your, of your backgrounds, how you, where you're at, how you got into the industry, um, kind of what your career tra trajectory has been like. Vic, I've known you for a very long time. 
Yeah, you know, I've been in this industry about uh, probably going on 20 plus years now. Um, you know, I started in the OEM hot tub side. So this is like really right up my alley. I was the uh, uh, senior designer uh, at Dimension One Spas for a lot of years, uh, almost 20, uh, 17 years. And uh, then I got a, a great opportunity to come join the CMP team to really expand my uh, design work. And uh, I'm an industrial designer by, by profession, and that's what I mostly focus on. Then I kind of started doing marketing, and then I went to CMP, and we started the whole marketing department. Now I get to do pool and bath and hot tub, and you know we have a commercial division. And so I get to dabble in all kinds of design and even outdoor living You know now that we have Bobay. I'm really, really, really lucky to work at a, a company that we're very, very spread out in the recreational water industry. So that gives me a lot of opportunities to do design and marketing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we know each other from, you know, back from your D1 days. That's where we first met and then kind of disappeared. And then you pop back up at CMP. And I don't think you disappeared. I think I just didn't know that you were at CMP. <laughs> yeah, it took a while for me to, I kind of was like, you know, when D1 went, uh, got purchased by Jacuzzi, I had decided to move over to CMP because it was just a, seemed like a, the right fit for my next step in my career. And it's been, you know, it's been 10, this year's 11 years for me there. And, and I'm just so lucky. I get to work, you know, in California and I go to Georgia to visit my team. And it's a company that's, that's growing. It reminds me a lot of D1 in that they're innovators. They're always challenging themselves to do better. Alan and Tom and everybody, we're bringing a, a new level. We're kind of that mid-tier where we're the, not the super big guys, but we're down just small enough where I can actually make a difference in the company and make a difference with my customers. And that was really important to me. Yeah. I, CMP, it seems like you're growing, growing a ton. I think every time I turn around, you have acquired another company. I mean, for a while there, it was just kind of insane. It seemed like there was acquisition after acquisition after acquisition. You bought Dell Ozone, Bobay, like you said, and I mean, several others that I know I'm not remembering, but those were two of the big ones in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. We, we went through a big growth phase, which Alan is, uh, is managing that now. Alan's actually just had come on board a couple of years ago now and has been bringing a new level of sophistication to our, you know, we're a global company. Most people don't really think about it, but most people that are buying pools and spas while they're manufacturing and the main focus might be domestically, we distribute internationally, you know, South America, Asia, Australia and stuff. So Alan's always got his hands full, right, Alan? <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, yeah, and Alan, I don't think you and I have ever had the chance to meet face-to-face -face before. So I don't know any of your industry background. How did you end up in the <laughs> pool and hot tub industry? You know, I just happened to land here by someone I know. So Tom Moore, CEO, recruited me when he got elevated to the president's role last year. And so our paths had crossed. We had worked in a different industry together. So he called me once he was uh, getting elevated and just was a really good fit. So I slid in to the sales and marketing team here, and it's been great ever since. I'm coming up right on 18 months. But my history is traditionally oil and gas related. I came out of the electrical construction industry, always pretty much working for manufacturers. Did do some consulting type work as well, but always in the sales side of things. Had local territories, worked ranks up, uh, way up the ranks through you know, regional management, some national responsibility uh, and stuff like that. And then, like I said, I got the call from Tom. So it, what's crazy is, is the, the business I was in is very similar to what CMP does is that we're a manufacturer. We service a couple of different mar or major markets, if you will, both the pool and the OEM space. 
And the pool is obviously geared towards, you know, distribution and dealing with reps and a lot of field salespeople, which obviously I have, I have a ton of experience with that. My electrical background was always dealing with not only the contractors uh, creating demand for products and solutions, but we all pretty much sold exclusively through distribution as well. So the fit was really good there. And then a lot of our business, we had some engineered solutions that was off, off, uh, often sold direct from time to time in, in OEM type applications, uh, which is very similar to what we do with our spa business. So whether we uh, design, build, engineer our, our jets and, and solutions for the, the OEM market, uh, I was doing it just with electrical products in my past. So the, the fit was very unique. It's uh, not wildly different. It's just different solutions. Instead of using electrical theory, we're using, you know, uh, hydro uh, type stuff. It's been really fun and interesting to learn uh, while bringing a little bit uh, of my sales management, sales leadership to the table, which was, I think, was a good fit for the organization. Well, welcome to the, the pool and hot tub industry. I Thank mean, 18 you. months, you're still a newbie. He is a newbie. And uh, what he doesn't realize, Megan, is that he doesn't know what me and you know, uh-huh. that now that he's in, he'll he's never be able to get out, right? Yeah. So we know that he's stuck forever. He, he that hasn't dawned on him yet. And I, I, know, I it's, I, like, it's like, welcome. <laughs> Little do you know but, that we are yes, now your people for life. <laughs> <laughs> We should also mention that poor Alan is stuck in the airport right now. So if you hear a little background noise, that's that's his situation. Is he's uh, where do you where do you normally live, Alan? Are you you're, are you not based in Georgia? No, I'm not. So I live in the uh, the Houston area. I live in a small town about uh, 40 miles west of, of Houston. So I commute uh, to Noonan uh, fairly regularly, especially now that uh, you know the the customer visits have been pretty minimal. Although the last month, it's been a little bit more active. Got to actually get out to Florida, uh, hit Vegas, hit California. And so it was good to kind of get out and see some customers face to face again. I was definitely, it felt like uh, forever ago when we could actually do that, but it was definitely nice. Before we jump into some of these other topics that that we want to talk about, I just kind of am curious what the pandemic has looked like for CMP. I mean, did you guys have to shut down? Did you have to stop manufacturing for a time? When were you hit with the crazy influx of orders? How have you been able to handle that? I'm just kind of curious what that has looked like for you guys. You know, we've been very fortunate uh, from a, a CMP perspective. Our impact has been pretty minimal. I mean, we redeemed uh, essential business from the early get-go. The corporate office worked remote for a couple of weeks. The factory was impacted a little bit, but, you know, they were pretty much back up and running pretty quickly. It took longer for people to get clearances for getting to work, probably longer than it did actually get ramp up. So there was this, you know, kind of workforce uh, ramp up more than the actual production piece of it. Yeah. Uh, so that was probably the most challenging piece uh, for us from a from a direct standpoint. I would say the most impactful from a daily business function standpoint was really about how the different components of the supply chain was impacted, whether you were talking about electronic suppliers, raw goods uh, suppliers, different people from all over the world were impacted differently. So the timing piece, you would get something from one supplier pretty quickly, but then the other one would hold you back. And so that was definitely a, a big challenge for us. Also the logistics, the free, heck, even just getting trucks and moving product throughout the country right now is a, is a really big challenge. So that remains an ongoing challenge moving forward. You know, I would say from a business perspective, March, April was definitely uh, not fun. Um, and we prepared for the worst, unfortunately. 
And then I would say probably May and June, really May is when we start, started to see good signs of that this may not last for too too long. And then June, I would say we had definitely full confidence with, you know, talking to customers about how their backlogs were building up uh, and what the future looked like for the balance of the year. So we, we reacted in the grand scheme of things pretty quickly. The timing was pretty good. The fortunate piece was is we had already kind of planned for a little bit of a lull. So we ramped up some inventory as it was before we even knew what COVID was going to bring. That's fortunate. It, yeah, we, we really got fortunate with the timing. So we had some an influx of inventory come in. And then it kind of lasted us for that initial boost. And then as people have ramped up ridiculously, it's obviously put a strain back on us. So we're, we've pulled every lever possible. We continue to look for additional ways to increase capacity, increase production. Uh, really, there's no discussion that's off the table at this point on making sure we're doing everything possible to keep up with demand. I think everyone in the industry would tell you that no one's probably doing enough because it's, you know, it's how fast can you get it to me? It's now, 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 which I completely understand, but we're all facing the same challenges. And some of it's within our control. And I, I can tell you uh, from a CMP perspective, we are doing everything humanly possible we can to make sure we maximize what's in our control. It's really what's out of our control that uh, is, is posing uh, the biggest challenge for us. Did you guys have to implement social distancing or mask wearing or any of that kind of stuff at the at the factory? It's been interesting to talk to different manufacturers about how they've had to reorganize their lines. And depending on what you're manufacturing, that can be not a difficult thing or a very difficult thing. <laughs> yeah, I would say at the factory level. So fortunate enough, I think most of it was the way we had it set up and, and the we've really got a, a pretty good array of automation over there nowadays uh, at the plant, at the main plant there in Shanghai. And so the social distancing, I don't think was a big feat for us, but yeah, we did definitely make sure we were doing the social distancing. We provided all the PPE, we were doing temperature checks, we were doing daily screenings. Uh, I mean, we had even, the, there was a story where one of the uh, the key leadership people was basically told to go home for the day because he didn't, you know, his, his temperature read high. Now he was fine. We actually had zero employees impacted by COVID oh, uh, in Shanghai, but we actually had one person did get turned away because he did show up with a fever early on. And so he got turned away. So it was, it was a bit comical just to say, hey, you know, no one's beyond the screening, if you will. So uh, we took it very seriously. And then here in the States, uh, our facility in Arizona with the Bobay facility, and then the production that we have in Noonan, Georgia, along with all the office personnel, we still do social distancing. There's limited people that you can have in rooms. We've rearranged some of the cells downstairs for production and assembly to make sure that they can follow social distancing. Everyone's masked up. And we're doing daily screenings there as well. So we're definitely have adjusted our the way we're doing business internally. Even if we may be all in the building, we're still utilizing a lot of Teams calls where we can and just make sure, again, we don't have any kind of overcrowding uh, in any one space. So definitely impacted the way we're conducting business on a daily basis. But I would say overall, uh, we've handled it quite well. And I would say the team's done a really good at adjusting it, following the guidelines we've put down and behaved in a really good manner. That's good. I've talking to I've been talking to so many manufacturers about this um, across the board, and it seems like for a lot of them, the social distancing has been the toughest part. Not just from like a space constraints or or you know manufacturing constraints, but because people want to be together. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's been really hard to get people to change their habits where they want to say hi and shake hands and see each other in the morning. And, you know, we're social creatures. And so when you're actually, when you're actually back together, it's really hard to get people to maintain that distance when they're just having their breaks and lunch and all of that kind of stuff. It's just so, it's just so hard to take that human social connection part out (laughs) of our lives. No, I I think it's been challenging for me. Um, I'm really proud that CMP, you know, and Tom, like Alan was saying, Tom really jumped on it very fast as far as setting up some rules and guides for the company. And we set up some tables. We actually ordered a bunch of CMP branded masks and they were given out and meetings were uh, rooms where everything was adjusted and it, it happened really fast. And then we have, we have our town halls where Tom uh, is always updating the company on to what's going on in Georgia in the local area, but also what we're doing as a company with COVID. I like the transparency that we've been doing and everybody's participating. So we're taking it seriously. You know, we got work to do, but we got to do it in the right manner. And CMP's done that. I think that's helped us stay productive and made employees feel like that, you know, CMP really does care about our safety and our well-being. And it's evident because there was a you know, a lot of people had their spouse were saying, man, you know, my, my husband's work's not even doing that. You know, it's just crazy, you know? So it was really good to see that CMP jumped on it very fast and was is very stringent. And to this very, the, the day right now, you know, in Noonan, that's, they're doing the temperature and stuff. So I think we're we're, uh, we're doing what we need to do to keep safe, but keep the business rolling as well. Something that you kind of touched on a little bit in the beginning, Vic, about especially the consumers, but I think even down to retailers sometimes not understanding where all of these pieces and components come from that go into a hot tub. I've been in a lot of spa plants and it is pretty crazy the amount of things that go into a hot tub and how many hands are touching it to get to that final, that final stage. And it's interesting for you guys, because you're dealing with, you're kind of like us, where you're sort of neutral territory. You're dealing with a bunch of different OEMs and a bunch of different manufacturers making parts and pieces for them. And some of them are the same. Some of them are different. You have to work with them on proprietary things. How do you manage all of that? Because it it can't be easy to, (laughs) you know, someone has their, theirs made like this. And then the next person wants it a little bit like this and all those tiny changes have got to be, I mean, it just seems like a lot. I've been doing this for a long time. And I think in the hot tub world, it is funny that I think for most, the biggest thing that's really kind of sets it up is like as consumers, we grow up and, and we interface with a refrigerator and we all have seen dishwashers and we have faucets and toilets and these things that we grow up as humans and we interface with culturally and, and physically and emotionally. I mean, we just, we have, we have knowledge when it comes to hot tubs, you know, it's, it's one of those product categories where I think even consumers know more about cars than they do about hot tubs for crying out loud. So it is surprising. You're totally right. I don't think people realize hot tubs are like their houses. They're literally houses because they have electrical systems. They have plumbing systems. They have structural systems. They have safety systems. They're really these very unique little creatures, kind of like a pool, except that it's all self-contained, you know, and kind of portable. So we do have to balance on the backside. We have to think about ease of installation, the human factor of like, okay, you got guys in that are grinding and working on the backside of the hot tub. And it's this big thing. How do you make it ergonomic and, and easy for them to install components and have a core component system, you know, like the jet bodies and tubing and manifolds and stuff on the backside that you can sell to everybody while on the front side, 
understanding that brand A wants to tell their story like this and brand B, you know, wants to tell their story like that. And it all needs to still work together, right? So um, I think CMP, we do a really good job. One, because we have the most experienced team in the industry. We have, you know, between me and Zach and Angelo, there's, there's over 50 years uh, I brought Angelo Pugliese over. I was going to say, uh, I forgot Angelo is at CMP yeah, also. Yeah, right. So I brought him over from, from D1. <laughs> right, from D1. And, you know, and Angelo, this guy has done all kinds of work in, in our industry and worked for Polaris and stuff. And he's been in the pool and spa industry forever. He, he is our senior engineer. But between me, him, and Zach, there's over 50 years of, like, understanding how hot tubs are built. So because we have that unique perspective, we can go to OEMs and provide them with manufacturing solutions that are good for them. But then also understanding on the front side, they want to be able to tell their story. Is it, are they focused on what type of massage? What kind of look and feel? Are they the edgy company? Or are they the conservative company? That helps CMP provide Alan and his sales guys with weapons, as Alan would say, battle cards to go out to these OEMs and say, hey, we understand what you're trying to do. And we've got a platform that helps you keep your costs down, but also helps your manufacturing be done in a high repeatable manner, high quality manner, keep your costs in check and stuff. So it's a balancing act for sure, but we do get to innovate as well and offer new innovation that solves problems for the industry as well. You know, I, I don't think I even realized what some of that collaboration and work looked like on the back end between the OEMs and their suppliers. So for instance, I think I started to kind of get a good sense, a better sense of it. I was at the Marquee Dealer Conference this last February before everything got shut down. And they had, were interesting in introducing this brand new line. And one of the big things about this line that they were excited about was a part that CMP specifically collaborated with, the, with them on and worked with them on. And hearing some of the backstory of how much time and energy went into making this, this new system for them was just fascinating to me. I mean, what does a collaboration look like with an OEM? And they're like, you know, we want to switch things up. We want to do things completely different. I mean, how do you guys kind of start from scratch and help them accomplish what they want to do? It really starts with, you know, just some really good discovery talk on the front end. I, I came in on the, on the back end of the marquee deal, but they had this concept in mind, if you will, and this vision and invited us to the table. And the more we talked about it, the more we just kind of shared ideas and we, we kind of co-developed this deal. I would say that pretty much exists everywhere we've gone uh, and been successful. And, and Vic and Zach have done a tremendous job of kind of help gathering the requirements, the concept. I mean, we almost like storyboarded as in like, hey, what, are you, what kind of experience are you really looking for here? And it goes into the design piece of it. And, you know, it, it can be a pretty lengthy process depending on, you know, the give and take and what you like and what you dislike and some different variations of it. But it really starts with some very early discussions around the, the experience, the concept, the look and feel. Uh, I mean, we get into where we're profiling the customer base even to where we kind of understand who's actually going to maybe step foot in the thing. And, and it's a really unique experience. But to your point, I think, which is the piece that goes completely unnoticed is really all the way down to the execution level. I mean, we're engaged with obviously their product development teams, the marketing teams to talk about how this is going to be set up, how it's going to be accepted in the market. And then it quickly transitions to an engineering discussion to where it's like, okay, how do we get this thing to work the way we want it to work? And, you know, our team at CMP has historically been heavily involved in that. You know, our engineers are talking, even some of our account managers have an engineering background to where they're typically on site talking about some of the concepts. And then once we even have the SLAs built and we've got prototypes in there and 
and they're building sample spas, if you will. I mean, our teams in there typically helping with the testing. And depending on what their comfort level is with sophistication, I mean, we can even help with some of the documentation and all the back-end type support. So it's really a full circle support that we provide once they engage with us and talk about the concept. We'll stay as engaged as they would like us to be all the way up until they move into production. Then we stay in, in tune even from there. I mean, it's this constant, hey, we're thinking about changing Model X to look a little bit more like this. And so they'll do kind of a rolling change. So it, it never really closes. You always kind of follow it through. And, it, you know, some people will start from scratch and other people will just do modifications. But we're always typically involved from concept to execution. It's a very unique experience. It's very cool, actually. And the, the team has done a really good job, I think, establishing those relationships and to what Nick talked about, the level of experience that we can bring to the table now. I don't want to say we've seen it all, but we've seen quite a bit to where we can offer that up to the table. Megan, you mentioned Marquis, you know, Sam Collins. I've known Sam for years, like 30 years. Sam and Marquis, they were competitors to ours at Dimension One, but had so much respect for them because they really embodied the same kind of things that we did at, Dim at Dimension One. So me and Sam have a really good rapport. And when they came to us, like Alan said, they came to us a couple of years ago and said, hey, you know, we want to go after an edgier look. Millennials, not everybody's hot tub. That was the Vector product, you know, that they brought right. out. When we met with Sam, like Alan said, like we went physically over to their facility and we met with them. He had a vision, but obviously these OEMs, they don't have all the resources that like a facility like CMP has with the test tanks and the SLA machines and all of the stuff that we can do, our engineering test labs. But he was like, really, I don't want it to be this round jet thing. I want it to be edgy. In addition to just like changing the whole profile, it was a whole idea of people buy hot tubs for massage therapy. So the jets had to not only look different, but we had to consider functional characteristics. They're still going to be plumbed the same, like you said, on the backside. But how do we make sure that, and Marquis known for building super powerful, hydraulically performing hot tubs. And we wanted to keep that. When I was talking earlier about, well, we can't give them a solution that doesn't match their brand or their reputation or what their customers would expect. With the Vector product, we worked closely with their whole team to not only get the visual language down, but to make sure on the backside that not only was it manufacturing friendly for them and their team, but hydraulically it met the marquee's requirements that they want to move a lot of water. And they want these different types of therapy because we want an acupressure seat, we want a deep tissue seat, you know, we want a soft tissue. How do we accomplish that? And how do we make sure that we kind of understand the current plumbing configurations and what flow rates and what stuff's going on in the hot tub and not say, okay, while well, we might be changing on the front side, like we don't want to have to re-engineer the whole thing. It's still going to be a hot tub in the end. So how do we kind of take some of the common components and then deliver that message that they want? And I thought the Vector project was just I loved it. It was insane. I got to, I was lucky enough to work with Sam and their team and worked all those space designs out and those hydraulic and the nozzle configurations. But, you know, me and Sam, he knows he's like, he could come to me and he, we would use words like, okay, you know, we want to, I want a deep tissue. I want it to where my cheeks are going. Like this. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I know what you want on that jet, right? We, you know, I know what that kind of orifice looks like. I know what that jet is what it needs to be. Then we'll get the styling down, you know, so it's a combination of balance of the functional. And that's where, you know, Angelo will be like, well, you can't do it like that. I'm like, well, but we have to get it like this because so there's always this push, pull and tug between 
what the designer wants, what the creative team is wanting, and then what engineering and manufacturing are saying, look, that's okay, but we want it to be highly repeatable and consistent, you know, and finding that line. And then also to where I use the phrase delight and excite. And the person I want to delight and excite the most is Sam and his sales team and their company, because when they're delighted, when they're excited, when they're like, holy moly, like CMP, they got it. They grasped our vision. Then they transfer that energy exactly to what you saw, Megan. When they're with their dealers, they're like, oh my God, you guys, you right. guys wait to show this to you, right? So that energy just rolls downhill. And when we talk about passion, that's the, one of the big differences. It's like, it, we're not just making plastic. We're healing bodies. People, when they go into hot tubs, there is a goal in mind when they're going there. This whole thing of understanding that it is not just a piece of plastic. I'm a true, true believer of submersion therapy and what submersion does for us as human beings. And we're drawn to water for some, I could go into what my theory is of why we're drawn <laughs> to water, but we are, right? And so in times like this, I think that, you know, especially with COVID and stuff, it's kind of basic. Mankind's been doing things with water and fire for centuries. These are the things that are kind of core to our for some reason, they, they kinder something inside of us, right? And so that's why people like Sam at Marquee go, you know what, when we have something special we want to do, we partner with CMP because it's not just getting the plastic at the best price. At the best price. It's getting their vision translated into something that represents their brand and that can delight and excite their dealers and their customers. When a manufacturer comes to you, do they typically, I mean, sure, it's probably different depending on the project, but do they typically come with, come to you with a problem and say, hey, we want to fix this? Or is it they come to you with a more aesthetic vision? Like, we really need something that kind of looks like this. What are the parameters that you guys are given when someone comes to you with a new, with a new idea? It's a little bit of both, to be honest. The exciting stuff and what the industry feels is typically more of the aesthetics, but I can tell you we do a ton of work and support and product development, if you will, modifications around the plumbing system behind the scenes. So it's a little bit of both and everyone's a little bit different with how they attack it, but it's depending on what their problem, again, whether it's labor saving, efficiency, material reductions, whatever it is, they come to us with really different opportunities. And so we, we probably have a fair split, but obviously the sexy stuff is all the aesthetics. That's what people want to talk about. But trust me, we have plenty of conversations with engineers that get excited about this little connection point here that goes, <laughs> they'll get pretty jazzed up about that stuff too. Well, yeah. sure. That's interesting because of course, I didn't really think about this, but of course they may come to you and say something like, Hey, we really like how this functions but it takes three screws for someone to install it and it takes X amount of time and that's too long. We need it to be two screws or whatever. I mean, I guess it can get yeah. down to the details. Or zero screws. How do we, right. how do we eliminate screws? Right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. of course, yeah, it comes down to even things like that where they're not talking about form and, and necessarily function. They're like, we need to do this faster. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think what the biggest challenge, you know, a lot of times, Megan, a manufacturer comes to us and the piece of paper is blank. And that's the biggest challenge. You know, it's so easy for somebody to either have input or criticize or say something about something when it's not blank. But true innovation and, and, and thinking and brainstorming, when the paper's blank and you're sitting around and somebody goes, well, I don't know, this is, and Alan can say, they come, what do you guys want? Well, we don't know. What do you mean you don't know? We always, me and Zach as designers, we're like, if, a, if an OEM, and it's a struggle, because imagine you think about all consumer products like Dyson or, you know, cars and stuff like this. When a designer for a car is given a project, he's told, this is going to be an SUV. It's going to be targeted at moms. 
They typically have two kids. They're giving a set of rules to play with because it can't be, well, you can't blue sky it. There's blue sky stuff. But typically, blue sky stuff is to set some kind of other precedence. Eventually, blue sky has to get narrowed and narrowed and narrowed. So a lot of times, we always tell a manufacturer, while when they come to us and say, well, we're not sure what we want. Well, we have to, me and Zach, that's another thing that CMP is good at. We probe them. We ask them questions. Can you send us pictures? You know, they're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, send us images of what you think the customer looks like, you know, or what things are sexy. You know, we work for, we did a project for Cal Spas and they're a really edgy, racy brand. They like sports cars and stuff and they wanted a new jet. And we're like, okay. So I immediately, you know, I kind of was like, you know, Casey Lloyd was like, hey, you know, I sent him some rim images and said, hey, which one of these rims on these cars? Was like, which, which car like turns, you, you know, turns your motor? And that kind of direction helped us. He picked a couple of rim images and it led us to like, okay, now I know what kind of things we might be able to work on. And we took a couple of rims, sports car inspired stuff, and turned them into their new jet. And it was exactly what they were looking for, but it was that whole process of coming up with languages and words and things. We're visual creatures, we're communicative creatures. So we communicate with our eyes first. That's our very first thing that we do is we look at something, then we want to touch it and feel it and smell it and, and get all that. But our eyes are the very first things. A lot of times we do what's called a mood board. Our customers can send us a, a board with just a bunch of random images and it can be cars and fashion design and landscaping and what it doesn't matter what it is. It helps the design team understand kind of what the tone is for the product. Me and Zach are both industrial designers by education. And when you go to school, you do these mood boards as part of your presentation. And it helps identify the customer group that you're doing a design for, right? And so, and I'll admit, you know, the pool and spa industry sometimes is not as sophisticated or as sexy as like cars or boats or consumer products, right? Because we're just, we're a little bit different. But it's, it's the same process. We drive it to people. It's like every product is designed. It's not engineered and then stylized. That's not how it works. It's we really got to think about the ergonomics, the biomechanics, how people touch it, feel it, interact with it. Are the jets interchangeable? Is that going to be easy to do? When you're sitting in a hot tub, you're reaching for valves that are above your shoulder. Are they difficult to use? Are you reaching across your body? I mean, you have to ask yourself all of those things so that when you give a solution to the company, they're like, holy moly, this is awesome. And our customers are saying, this is great. Because while people stand above a hot tub when they're on the showroom floor and fiddle with it, ultimately it's gonna be in their backyard, they're gonna be sitting in it and they're gonna be interfacing with it. And that's where CMP really shines because we, we think about the backside, the manufacturing guy, the guy that doesn't want any screws, He's like, can you get rid of all the screws, please? And we've done that, our SQR product, it's a revolution in hot tub jet installation. SQR challenged every convention of you know, hot tub jet installation. They were like, what do you mean we're not gonna use any silicone? What do you mean we don't need comp rings and nuts and back grinding and stuff? Yeah, and was, well, tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. What is the SQR? So SQR, oh, Megan, so I've, been, I built, I've been building hot tubs for a long time and hot tubs, you know, one of the, obviously the, you don't, it's a vessel full of water. You don't want any leak points, but you have all these components. So you, you drill all these holes, you create all these places for leaks and you put jets in them and jets are very, because there's so many of them in a hot tub, it's very typical that that's where their leak points are. And you have comp rings and gaskets and silicones. And there was all these methods that everybody used. That break down but, over time. That break down over time and they're prone to human error because it's a torque. It's, you have to torque the nut to a certain level, you know, 18 pounds, 18 inch pounds or whatever it is. And it takes a long time to do that. And you get all the components. So just imagine you're on a manufacturing line. You got, you got jet bodies, you got comp rings, you got nuts, you got gaskets, you got silicone, you got all this stuff. We were like, you know what? What if it could just be like 
a gasket, a radial seal. And in mechanical engineering terms, radial seals are done all the time in transmissions and O-rings around a shaft. And basically, that's what a jet is. It's a solid shaft through a hole, an SQR is a radial seal. While it sounded simple, it was definitely a, a huge, huge, huge move to the left of like, okay, what, you know, this is different than anything that we've ever done. SQR cut down manufacturing times. It cut down all the components needed on a manufacturing line. You didn't have to use silicone and lubricants like that and sealing things. So now you could provide this easier to install, this more reliable system of radial sealing for a hot tub and it really challenged the way that everybody thought about building a hot tub. And, and our European customers, they really jumped onto this quickly because for them, they knew like, oh, this was gonna, this is it. We, we grew really fast in Europe and now stateside SQR is very popular. A lot of manufacturers are using it. They're seeing dramatic reductions in manufacturing time while at the same time, improvements in their overall quality because the human error of like torquing and torque wrenches Man, if you take a torque wrench and torque a jet, and then that wrench gets dropped on the ground, it's no longer calibrated. Now, the guy that dropped it, he's not going to tell anybody he dropped the <laughs> wrench. He's just going to pick it up and keep working. But you don't know then if those rest of those jets are going to be tightened down to the right torque. And nuts can come loose, you know, during vibration. Hot tubs are shipped on trucks and rail across the United States and, and, and uh, all over the world. So. Sure. SQR solved so many problems for OEM hot tubs, and it was a great platform for us to, again, show the world that, hey, we're just not thinking about the aesthetic, beautiful side. The SQR is really something that CMP leveraged that to the consumer, you know, when a consumer buys a hot tub, they're just taking for granted, oh, it's not going to leak, or it shouldn't leak. You know, I'm buying this thing that should work, right? So this really was like a hidden benefit. Um, it's not something that the consumer would even, it's not a value proposition you would tell to the consumer, but OEMs understood that if they could move to this platform, they were going to save money. They were going to build more hot tubs in a daily schedule. They were going to have a higher quality and the hot tubs they were, they were building were going to provide their consumers with a better experience. So we're really proud of the SQR product line. Uh, we have it for all of our jets. And once we did the jets, then we started doing suctions and, and filters and, and valves and uh, we light them. We just do all kinds of cool stuff with it. We have quite a few manufacturers that that's just how they build hot tubs. Yeah, you know, a hot tub, I mean, we've, I've already said this, but a lot of hands, a lot of people touch it. And how great right now for a manufacturer to be able to cut down the, on the time that it takes to produce a single hot tub because lead times are so long and it's still so difficult to get labor. I mean, for a lot of people, that has been the huge, like one of the biggest issues in trying to ramp up production is, um, I mean, obviously there was the supply chain issues, but also they couldn't get enough people to do a second shift or whatever they needed to do. And so anything that they can do right now to cut down on their manufacturing time has, is just got to be a huge, a huge deal for them. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a huge deal for us because, and Alan can test to this, if I have an OEM that's putting SQR hot tubs together, I'm supplying bodies and gaskets instead of like body, gasket, compering, gasket, you know, so all this stuff. So my ability to provide them with the things that they need to keep their, their, uh, their operations running is it's easier for me too, as a, as a manufacturer, because they might have all the components, but one, oh, we have everything we need, but the gaskets. They're not making hot tubs. So yeah. with, with the SQR system, they just need two parts. They just need the gasket and they just need the body and they can make hot tubs. How do you guys handle, I mean, when I look at, and it depends on the, the facility I walk into, but some manufacturers just have a ton of models, uh, you know, just a, a bunch of different hot tubs. 
if you guys are dealing with all of those different spas for all of those for a single brand, but then you multiply that by however many different brands that you're working with, I mean, how do you keep all of that, that straight and how do you keep up with who needs what, and it needs to have, I mean, I imagine like you've got all these different part numbers and how, <laughs> and as we know, hot tubs are typically ordered on, on demand almost, you know, someone, someone walks in, they say, I want this with these five features. And then it is sent to the manufacturer. And I don't know, at that point, did they send to you and say, Hey, we need some more of X, Y, and Z. Like how, how can you efficiently manufacture when you have so many parts and pieces and people that you have to uh, keep happy? <laughs> you have uh, found a very uh, interesting piece to the puzzle um, because you're, you're absolutely right. What's even trickier is even to forecast that type of demand because you never know which models may move the needle and outperform. So I think everyone inside the industry really struggles with forecasting, you know, down to that level. And so we're left with kind of, you know, putting together a little bit of historical information with a little bit of conversation and, and pulling it together. But it is tricky because you have to react uh, really on a dime, and uh, it, it's just tough to do. So we look, you know, uh, like a duck on that on that pond, and all smooth. And I can tell you, the feet underwater are going a hundred miles an hour, trying to figure out how we're going to keep up with stuff and and change directions based on you know wind direction and weather conditions. It's interesting, and it's it's definitely one of our biggest challenges. I tell you, the the planners inside of our supply chain team, how they keep their sanity. Uh, when we tell them we're going to veer left, and then all of a sudden we tell them, no, we're going out wide right, it's, uh, it, it can drive them crazy. So. Do you think that that is something that may change, at least for a while, coming out of the pandemic? I mean, now that lead times are so long, you actually have retailers who are ordering hot tubs well into next year. Manufacturers have had to cut down on the number of models that they have that they offer right now and, and some of the features that they offer just so that they can get enough product out of their factories. I mean, does that make it a little bit easier on you guys? And do you think that's something that might stick around for a while? Or do you think that we'll be back to this like on time <laughs> structure that we've had really since, I mean, the recession? Yeah, I would say I would say for the foreseeable future, I think a lot of folks are out there trying to look at ways to streamline and simplify the product offering because I think speed is, is what wins. So if you've got product available, you probably are going to win. That's a big piece of it. I do think we will eventually get to a, a more of a state of normal, probably middle of next year, where I think, you know, some of this just the hurry up, I'll take whatever you got type mentality kind of calms down a little bit and then you'll get into a little bit more of, no, let's really focus on what we really want. So subject to change, I mean, I can't predict the future, but uh, I would say right now, it's definitely let's simplify, let's keep, uh, you know, capacity up, uh, let's keep our production lines, you know, moving as smooth as possible. Let's not create a bunch of disruptions, at least as much as possible, and minimize that type of noise. And then I think we'll see it stabilize or, or maybe change back to more traditional ways later uh, next year at some point. 
Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Vic? You, uh, you know, all of these hot tub personalities. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mirror Alan's sentiment. I think we're, you know, we're going to be busy all year next year. People have already purchased uh, the purchase chain. I just called dealer, D1 dealer and lead times are 28 weeks at that retail outlet. Now that's seven months, you know, but people are ordering. And when you're doing you know, pools, these are the kind of decisions, they're long-term. It's like a remodel, uh, a little bit different than patio furniture, which can be like a, you know, a spontaneous purchase, a impulse buy. I think hot tubs and pools or the families talk about them. I think there's a lot of, because you got to run electrical and there's some, there's some stuff that's got to be done. So I think there's a little bit more planning involved. So I think people are willing to wait. I think we're going to be staying at home for a little bit longer next year. So I think we're going to be staycating a little bit longer. And I do agree with Alan. I think manufacturers are looking for ways to streamline. What I'm being told is they're, they're being told that don't sell the showroom models, right? They're the only ones you're going to get. So they're, they're not typically even selling showroom models, but it's not just our industry. I, I ordered some patio furniture from Costco and they told me, oh, it'll be here in, in three weeks. Okay. Like literally four months later, four months to get something from Costco that so everybody's impacted. You know, we, right. we're seeing it across. It's not just the pool and spa industry. Uh, automotive, everybody's seeing longer lead times and, and products that, for crying out loud, toilet paper shortage. I mean, even back again now, I was just at Costco and they were like, sorry, they were open 20 minutes and in 20 minutes they were out of toilet paper. Really? Oh no, is that going to happen? Is that going to happen again? <laughs> It I is out here in California we'd... already. Oh, no. We are. Yeah, oh, no. So I was all like, I guess I'll just buy some paper towels, right? So, Yikes. but it's, you no, know, it's one of those things where I, I just think that we're going to, as long as people are staycating, uh, we're going to be busy. I think we've got a 2021 is going to be a busy year for us. Like Alan said, mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to mellow out until the end of next year, you know, late, late third quarter. So you guys sort of like the sheet guys, I feel like you kind of get an idea of like a wider perspective, what the growth of the industry has looked like. How much do you think we've grown this year as an industry? Depending on who you talk to, there's a couple of different data points out there, if you will. But I would say if you look at units actually sold and shipped out the door, I think it's going to be in a single digits growth. Now I think orders is up double digits. I mean, you're probably right. talking 20 plus percent on orders. But if you look at tubs going out the door for revenue and shipments, I think it's going to be probably in the single digits. And it's mainly built on the fact that you had a lot of these folks who were down for, you know, two or three months, depending on who they were, what state they were in, what their regulations were around. So they have, they have a couple of months of complete, uh, you know, basically zero revenue, if you will. There were zero shipments coming in the door and they, they've made that up and then some, but if you look at year over year comparisons, I think where it's going to fall, it's probably single digit. And then next year, I think it's poised to be a double digit growth year from a, a shipment and an order standpoint. So that's kind of how I've put together the data so far. It's just talking to some of the, the customers and getting a sense on how they're going to finish. It, it orders are really inflating you know, the, the sales revenue number a little bit to some degree for the year, but it'll, it'll catch up next year as well. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to jive with what I've heard from a lot of people. And it's not, you know, they're like, it's not really about how many hot tubs you've sold this year. It's about how many hot tubs you've actually delivered this year. <laughs> and right. next year could be, you know, a much, a much bigger growth year for us because people will be caught up 
And all of those tubs that have been ordered in 2020 will actually be delivered and the money will go in the bank. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I know Alan has a flight to catch, so I don't want to, um, <laughs> I don't want to make him late or have him miss his flight. That would be, uh, that would not be a great, <laughs> a great start I, to our, our relationship, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. You've actually, I've actually boarded. I'm on the, on the plane. So hopefully I've minimized as much background noise as possible, but at some point they will kick me off. <laughs> yeah. say, I, I was, I predicted that. I was like, I hear bins closing. <laughs> yeah. You, I can't believe they wouldn't like hold the flight for the spa retailer podcast. Can't you just, I know, like, come on. I should have gave them a advance warning. I should have played that card. Sorry. <laughs> Well, thank you for doing this while you are traveling and distracted and you did a great job of cutting down on the background noise. I'm, I'm very impressed. Have you, have you podcasted a lot in an airport? Cause it's, that's pretty impressive. No, actually. So this is only my second podcast experience. I've only done one, which was a few years ago and that was a fitness based one. So happy to do another one. These are always fun. Enjoy the conversation. And okay. It's always just a, just a good experience. Well, I'm glad that you were able to able to hop on. Of course, now I'm really curious why you were on a fitness podcast and I need to know all about that, but I guess we can save that for, for another time. <laughs> yeah, we can take that one offline. Happy to share that story. <laughs> all right, great. Well, um, I'm going to let you go then, and then I will make Vic answer the Spa Retailer 5 by himself. But thank you so much, Alan, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you for the opportunity. Y'all have a great one. All right, Alan, talk to you later. Bye. Marquis Vector 21 Hot Tubs feature Vector Optimized Laminar Therapy, VOLT, which delivers up to 40% more flow volume, specifically engineered to achieve laminar flow. Variable Velocity Valves, V3, throttle 0 to 100% of the available water flow between multiple seats or to only one seat. Conal Jet Pods are softer on the skin surface. Directional Jet Pods offer more targeted sensation to the muscle mass. Orbital jet pods rotate dynamically to create a kneading sensation. Specialized massage seat configurations include deep tissue, relaxation, shiatsu, or Swedish massage. The Whitewater 4Jet is a high-flow therapy innovation located in the footwell to enhance the benefits of leg and foot massage. Visit MarquiseBaz.com for more information. Is there anything else we haven't touched on, though, that you think is important in this conversation about working with, uh, with working with OEMs and how things have changed from the pandemic? I, I did kind of giggle, you know, when you're talking about Casey Lloyd and showing him, you know, rim tires or t rims, because, you know, anyone in this industry who's been in the industry for very long knows that Casey loves cars and loves, loves planes. Cars. Yeah, yeah, he does. That's his, that's his thing. And so it's just interesting because probably one of the great benefits to you from being in the industry for as long as you have is that you know those personalities and you know, and like you said, every brand has its own personality and, you know, it usually comes from the mm -hmm. top and it, yep. you know, it goes down throughout the entire organization. And so I just kind of made me laugh because it's like, of course, that was so smart. Of course you would show him something related to a car. Cause that's going to be the thing that his mind jumps to and what he really enjoys, but it's, but he's not unique in that every brand has, that thing that kind of they're into or you know the people at the top are into and that just goes down and it trickles into their hot tub design the role of the industrial designer uh, you know all products are designed and they're designed usually the actually always the designer is the first person 
whether it's marker renderings or you know sketches or whatever it is that concept is what is given to engineering before things become reality so and it's the industrial designer's job to understand the demographic who's the customer what challenge like you mentioned you know a lot of times are we trying to to solve something so you know maybe if we're working on a new diverter valve maybe the challenge is like well this is going to be on hot tub sold to baby boomers they have low hand strength they don't have the range of motion rom that younger people have so how do we get you know design a valve maybe that's put at an incline so they don't have to raise their arm as high it's understanding all of those things and applying it to the design. And obviously then you apply, okay, and that, okay, so I'm doing a handle that is for baby boomers and stuff like that. And it's okay, but maybe, so it's for, you know, Sundance or Jacuzzi or maybe, you know, Hot Springs, which is all of these brands have their own personality. And once we understand that, then it's easier for the design group to say, we kind of know what that look and feel needs to be. And that's why I think it's a benefit of being in the industry a long time but also just being a design professional, a design professional, and you, we see them on TV shows, a lot of the reality shows. If you've been educated and you understand a certain thing, then what you just need is a certain amount of inputs. You run it through your machine and you should be able to spit out several options for the customer to choose from. And so it's never like we get information and then we come and we go, oh, look, we did the perfect thing. It's always like, okay, here's solution A, solution B, solution D, and there's pros and cons for each one, whether it's cost or look and feel or even functionality. So it's a collaborative process with the customer and things like SQR, or I wanted to talk a little bit about sanitizers because these are common things. And we're seeing like right now, you want to talk about like one thing that COVID has done inside of our industry on pool and spa side is raise awareness, consumer awareness for like pathogens. Right. So, yeah, I, you know, I was talking to a chemical manufacturer the other day and they were saying, we've stopped having to have a conversation with people about if chlorine is, is good or bad, everyone is like, make sure it's sanitized. I want it clean. Give me all of the chlorine. And, you know, that used to not be the case. People were concerned about chlorine consumption and having, you know, quote unquote chemicals in their water. And now people are just like, uh, no, I want to make sure that there is no coronavirus in my hot tub. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, my pool. Well, or in your house. Right. So, I mean, we've yeah. all like, my hands are like chapped from wipes and like everybody's using, you know, sanitizer inside the car. All of our cars got sanitizers in oh, the yeah. door now Absolutely. and you're, you're wiping everything. So when we talk about like these common things and the hot tub industry actually was probably not probably was ahead of the curve a little bit on them pools. We bought ASO, we bought Dell, and we bought another company, SGS. And it really said what the plan was is to set CMP up in the sanitizer product category with the best technologies, right? And Dell brought ozone to the hot tub world and to the pool world. There was a company called ASO. They actually had a really good ozone technology as well. The newest thing out there is AOP. AOP is really the combination of ozone and UV creating a a third chemical called a hydroxyl radical. And hydroxyl radicals are like super strong, like alien, like Avengers. They're just super like they're, they're, they're bad, right? The Hulk Hulk oxidizer. (laughs) They are, they literally are. Well, and they're short lived. They don't live very long, but they're super powerful. But AOP and AOP has a lot of the benefits of like ozone and that it causes microflocculation. Things clump together into big clumps and it helps filters catch that stuff. So when you talk about chloramine reduction, uh, biofilm reduction, uh, high oxidation and being able to lower the amount of bromine or chlorine you would need in a hot tub, then AOP systems are the best. And we have several products that we make for OEMs. And some of them, we do a lot of private labeling where we customize it. We either customize the plumbing or the packaging 
and because a, a OEM might have a particular brand that they're selling and we're selling them to those OEMs and they're putting them on their hot tubs. For me, I'm really kind of partial to water chemistry and stuff because Bob Hallam at D1 used to, one of the things I remember in his training was like, no matter what hot tub you own, if you go out and open the cover and the water's dirty, you don't really own a hot tub. I think the first time I heard about a, a hot tub system that combined UV and ozone was a D1 product, I yep. believe. I, yep. I feel like I spent quite a bit of time actually talking to Angelo about that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Ultra Pure. We were doing, we didn't really yeah. call it AOP, but we Ultra Pure was an AOP system. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know we combined that with heavy minerals division cartridge. We knew it was a system. So it had a dedicated pump dedicated filter and then the AOP unit and then the heavy metals. But even then you still needed to keep a residual and we still right. were a proponent of add bromine or chlorine after your bather load. So what's nice now, you know, is that it's that whole platform thing you talked about, like though you asked, like how do we handle all the different manufacturers? Well, on the plastic side and even on the sanitizer side, we develop these platforms that are flexible. Mm. You think about them as platforms, like our Spectrum Jet platform is a platform that allows OEMs to combine and change just certain components of it to make customized parts. And it's the same with the sanitizers. We have a platform we can promote and build and change certain aspects of it to allow OEM to have their own type of system. But the same theme, the core technology or the core functionality remains the same. Sure. So that way we get the, you know, we get the flow rates on hydraulics. We get the uh, SQR, you know, the, the standard systems. The front side may all look different. There's 50 million jet faces. It's an infinite amount of variety on the front side. Um, Dr. Drury uh, at CMP used to always say, well, how, there's only so many things you can, you ways you can make a donut. And I was like, oh no, you're wrong. There's, there's literally infinite number of ways to make a jet face. And you just look at the car rims and stuff like that. There's, there's a million trillion different ways to make a jet design. So we're never going to run out of that. But on the back, you know, it's the same with sanitizers as far as, but understanding the plumbing and how it gets plugged into the pack and where it's got to go and the serviceability. Uh, hot tubs and pools, they last a long time. I always just say hot tubs like for, you know, 15, 20 years. You got to right. think about that, that people need to be able to service it, be able to change the uh, UV bulb out, change the ozone out. So you got to make sure there's enough room in there to get a screwdriver and stuff. A lot of times the engineer will make something and not only is it ugly, but he doesn't think about that. Yeah, he, he wasn't trained to think that way. He was trained to just make it work. Right. Industrial designers are always, we're that human interface. We're like, well, wait a minute now. I understand that you need, you want to do this to make it work, but the guy's got to replace that bulb and he needs to use a screwdriver. And so we're going to have to make the cabinet bigger because the screwdriver won't fit in there. And we've all worked on things or had things where we curse the person that made it. We're like, whoever designed this never really worked on it. And exactly. typically it's because there wasn't an industrial designer involved. We definitely deal with that a lot. There's that tug and pull between design and engineering where um, design's not, that word design people usually, uh, they think it's synonymous with aesthetics. It's not, it's mm -hmm. really uh, synonymous with functionality and good design should be functional and human friendly. That's what we learn in school. It's not making it pretty is one thing that's easy in a lot of aspects, but when you have products and we, we have them iPhones that are not only beautiful to look at, but they've enhanced our lives and they're right. very reliable and functional. They changed the way, I mean, Steve jobs changed the way that we communicate as humans. My job as a, a hot tub designer is want the OEM to be happy and stuff. But I want the person that gets in a hot tub, God grows us in water. Yeah, we, that's true. Right? Yeah, right? absolutely. So, so God, God grows us in water. So I think we go back to water to heal. There's this thing about submersion 
that when you put your heart underwater, your heart rate changes, the pressure for the water changes, there's different endorphins and things are released in your body. You cocoon, your body remind, mm -hmm. is reminded of what it was like in the womb when yeah. it was growing and healing. Your heart gets worked yeah. out without you doing anything. Just sitting anything, submerged right? in water, it's, it's automatically healthy for you. Exactly. So I think that that's why I really believe like submersion is one of those things I tell people, if you have problems sleeping, buy a hot tub. Don't buy Ambien. You don't need any of that stuff. Go in a hot tub 40 minutes a day. Every other day, you'll sleep better than you've ever slept because what your body's actually doing some chemical release in that when you're in the hot tub and I'm sorry, like I don't have problems sleeping. It just there's no such thing. Yeah, I think submersion heals us. It can heal what ails you. I think we're drawn to water that way. So whether it's pool and spas, I just put in a new pool this year. And um, I had the best conversations with my daughter. My, you know, we're out there all floating in rafts, looking at each other going, you know what? Nobody's tied to a phone. Nobody's, yeah. we're all looking at each other. It reminded yeah. me of how simple these things are. And that's why I think as humans, when we do go on vacation and stuff, we want to go to a place with beaches, lake. We're drawn to these places. I don't know too many people that are like, well, when I go vacation, I'm going to go to the desert. Well, I, you know, well, I do have some friends that have some buggies. They, they're definitely like glamorous people, right? They go bugging, but um, you know what I'm saying, you know, as far as yeah, water sure. and uh, uh, being this thing that we're drawn to. Uh, yeah. You know, it's but. funny because I think it's something that we in the industry, we talk about sometimes, but it's really easy to lose sight of that and kind of get back to those, to those basics of what we're actually doing for people. And I think we throw out the, oh, family time and it brings people together. We kind of throw out that line. But honestly, we had a hot tub growing up and I was played all of the sports. And a lot of times after the games were over, my dad and I would get in the hot tub and we would talk and we'd talk about the game and talk about, you know, what happened. And we have some, I have some great memories of spending time with my dad in that hot tub. Those are conversations that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. Cause especially now, not as much then, but especially right. now, like we're not on our phones and <laughs> we don't have Twitter and Facebook and Instagram to distract us. You know, we're actually sitting out there looking at the stars swatting the mosquitoes you know talking. right yeah yeah and it's funny you were talking we were talking about like one kid or two kids so we have one so her phone is her sibling my daughter's phone is her sibling <laughs> so and we give her like a lot of latitude on that but when we got the pool one i would swim alone and i my wife would go out alone and get in the floaty because there was just something about and we had We've been in the house 10 years. I was the only thing I guess I'm really mad about is that I should have put the pool in sooner because for 10 years I mowed a lawn. There wasn't a, the only thing it was was a poop pit for my dogs. <laughs> right? right. <laughs> so then I put this in and then then I'm out there realizing that and it wasn't even like oh where we had to make some big to do. It was literally like, you know what, we're just gonna go in for like a half an hour, throw the floaties in. Gabriel's like, Oh, you guys are going swimming. She would run upstairs, get in her bathing suit and come out. And it was that thing like we even did before dinner. And mm -hmm. it was like, sometimes it, again, it was kind of holistic for me when I, as I, after I got the pool, it's like, I just need to get in here. It's almost like that shower. You're like, I need to take a shower to kind of snap out of my funk. I would just like go outside, I'm, I'm jumping in the pool. Even if I'm only getting in 10 minutes, I'm gonna go jump in the pool. And there was just something surreal. And it made me this year, I kind of reconnected with that. And so I don't have a hot tub right now. Well, I called, my friend John Trezinko over D1. And oh, yes. Because I, I, I was JT. like, <laughs> so I was like, hey, JT is Vic. I was like, okay, it's time. So because I'm like, you know what? This pool reminded me of the submersion that I'm not getting in my life. And so we're going to get a nice little journey plug and play. Because I think 
especially in this time, this is the thing. And I, it's, it's about connecting, but it's also about reconnecting with myself and me as a person and what water and submersion does. And I think that's why it is important for us as manufacturers, we're not making pieces of plastic. I'm making these experiential products that they're components and they're bigger, they're part of this bigger thing. And I have to understand the OEM's needs, their customers' desires. I'm always striving for, as a consumer, I want it to be reliable and easy to use. I want them right. to go, man, whoever, whoever made this thing, they understood people. And that's so important. It's like, you know, it's more than just like, let's get the sale, let's put that money in the bank. But no, let's create this whole thing of like, why people in our industry, especially because it's pools and spas, we're supposed to be having fun and making people feel better. Well, it could go the other way too. We, products can be problemsome. It's just like buying a lemon car where you get it and you're like, oh, it just drives me nuts, right? So we have a responsibility to the industry and to our end consumers, which is the homeowner, to make sure that we're thinking about all those things. Yeah, so. get, in, get in those hot tubs, try them out, spend some time in there. Remember why Remember why we do this. Yeah, exactly. I kind of wanted to touch on AOP again for a second, because whenever I have family or friends who are like, you know, we're thinking about getting a hot tub. What should we get? What do I need to look for? I mean, that's one of the things that I always tell them is if you spend any extra money, spend it on water care, like get the the best for whatever you're looking for. Like don't care about the bells and whistles. Like those are nice. It's nice to have a waterfall. It's nice to have all the extra the lights and the stereo, lights and, right, yes. right. But it's like to really enjoy your hot tub, spend the money to get the nicest water care system you can afford because because that takes out so much of the stress and you can just, again, get into that water and you open it up and every time you open it up, it's, it's beautiful and crystal clear right. and you're not worried about having a rash when you get out or smelling funky. It's just right. like this really relaxing, restorative time like it's like it's supposed to be. Right. Well, and it goes back again to what we were talking about before, where none of us are chemists. We don't grow up learning how to do that. Like we know how to operate our refrigerators and clean them. And we even know how to check the oil in our car. Our dad shows us how to do that, you know? And so we learn things as we grow up. But when people buy a pool or uh, in a hot tub, a hot tub, especially because it's a Petri dish, it's a hot water, you know, 500 yeah, gallons. It's of, not, yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's one thing we all know it and all hate to talk about it, but it's pretty gross, you know? Right. It can be right. Yeah. But, but actually when you get the, your, your toilet, when you do the right things, when the customer is told the truth that, Hey, they're not, and there's no such thing as maintenance free. There's no such thing as chemical free. You have an AOP system or ozone. If you have, you know, a cert pump, I always recommend people that you, you totally nailed it. If instead of buying the stereo, buy the optional circulation pump, because that slow flow of water, one, it'll save money. Your, your hot tub's going to be circulating all the time. Uh, those little Lang pumps, they only use like 60 watts of energy. So it's like a light bulb, but they also, when they get hot, they, they put all that heat back into the water. Mm-hmm. So, so they're really efficient. They help keep the hot tub uh, hot and that water is always passing through the filtration. So good filters, a little pump, and then an ozone or AOP. It's a must have. Those are the things that when, you know, like you said, if you, you have that and you spend the money there, don't worry about the stereos and stuff these days with Bluetooth and all that, you can get a better boom box for cheaper to put on, you know, and then just wear your waterproof pods and you don't have to worry about that. The technology, Megan, has, has come so far in the last 10 yeah. years. There is no reason that right now, especially with a modern way hot tubs are built, everybody can have clean, safe, healthy water with little or no maintenance, less than what it takes to mow your lawn, you yeah. know, as far as that goes. Well, and I feel like especially this will impact pools more than hot tubs probably, but with the tap shortage and the trichlor shortage that we're 
we're going to be seeing and we are already seeing mm-hmm. having systems like that in place for your hot tub and, and your pool especially is going to be huge because the less chlorine that you can use, the less chlorine that you need to buy and you can keep your water safe with a smaller residual <laughs> yeah. and are, you know, aren't worried that your local pool store, pool in the hot tub retail store is out of what you usually use to treat your water. For those people that are living in colder climates or they're like, oh, hey, I forgot to open up my hot tub on Saturday to check, AOP systems and stuff, they allow the consumer a little more forgiveness. A little grace. A little (laughs) grace. You're like, so if I didn't check it, it's still okay. You'll open it up and you'll find that those systems are, like you said, there's less chemicals really needed to keep that residual, that one to three parts per million. They're helping with the filtration and stuff and they're always running. That's why I recommend the circ pump because mm-hmm. our uh, Dell AOP for spa unit, it's all integrated and it's driven off a, a circ pump. And so that pump is so it's running all the time. Systems that are, have circulation pumps are constantly putting sanitizers in the water versus hot tubs that might not have circ pumps where then they're in there only filtering when the pumps are on, you know, which is only a few times a day. So it's just, to me, it's almost like variable speed pumps. Like there's this new technology that's available to consumers, but again, we just don't know about it. And so that's our job as professionals to educate the consumers and go, look, you know, I know everybody's all excited about the LED lights and the waterfalls, but what's most important is clean, healthy water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I told Alan I was kicking him off the call so I could make you answer the Spa Retailer 5. And then I All just right. made you I just made you talk for another uh, okay. you know, 30 minutes. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I feel privileged to be able to talk with you. So I no, really it's, it's good to catch up and see you face to face. But are you ready for the Spa Retailer yes. 5? These are supposed to be kind of quick fire, lighthearted questions. We All ask right. every single guest about their lives. All right. Okay. So... What was the first hot tub product you ever sold? Either to a customer or an OEM. Do you remember your first hot tub industry sale and what it was? It was a Dimension One Chairman. And I sold it to a couple that had a hot tub and they moved into a new home that didn't have a hot tub. And it was at a parking lot sale. I I had tried to sell. I could never close the deal. I got that first sale at a D1 parking lot sale, and it was a D1 chairman to a wonderful retired couple. That's amazing. It always blows my mind that everyone can remember that first sale. Yeah. And they rem- like, and the details that they remember. Oh, totally about remember. It, it sticks I can remember. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was so excited. What was, your, what was your first real job? You know, my dad was a contractor, so I actually grew uh, up framing and building homes. He was an architect. So uh, my first real job was working for my dad, Slam and Hammer. And my dad always used to tell me, you know, being a carpenter was good enough for the son of God. So it's good enough for you. <laughs> That's such a dad thing to say. <laughs> Isn't it like cool? Because, you know, you, everybody has to like, well, I had to work with my dad, my family. And I was just like, oh, you know, but, you know, I was, I was blessed because I, my father taught me skills that I'm really handy around the house and with tools. Because yeah, no, those are good really skills. Cool. Those are good yeah. skills to have for sure. No matter what you do in life, right. to be totally. able to like hang a picture and fix whatever stuff. around the house. Yeah, fix <laughs> <Right>. stuff. <laughs> what would you say is your biggest flop, your worst idea or thing you tried that just did not turn out the way that you had, you had hoped? Oh, man, you had to ask that question. I'm sorry. It's my, I mean, it's the best one because you learn so much about people based on, you know, what didn't work out versus what did work out in their lives. 
I, while I'm still after this problem, I wanted to build, I wanted to build a leak-proof hot tub. When I first came Ooh. to D1 and the whole idea of hot tubs, that leaks are the bane of our existence, right? Sure, yeah. So I had this idea, and Garth Weber and Sam were the engineering leaders at D1 at the time, and I was all like, I called it vessel and vessel. And it was twin sheet thermal forming. So the water was captured in between two sheets of plumbing, and then the jets would just plug into it. And I was just all so excited. I'm like, oh, there's, cause I was like, if the jets leak, it's just gonna leak back into the body of water. This will be ingenious. Like, this will be a great. Right? And then Gar's all like, yeah, but he did the math and he's all like, the vessel that you're wanting to build have to be strong like a submarine. And this is not gonna work. And I was just all like, I was so let down because I was like, we are gonna build the first leak proof hot tub. Like it just won't matter, right? It'll be a revolution for manufacturers and for consumers because nobody wants a leaky hot tub. No, no, for sure. And, I mean, that's, that, a, that's a great bubble, idea. That's a great was, idea. I mean, how exciting would that have been? You, I mean, you would have gone down in history. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's funny is I got a good schooling from like, so I'm an industrial designer, you know, and you do some engineering, you learn some stuff, but then you get with a really good engineer who's doing the math and he shows you like the surface area of a hot tub and you start realizing how many square inches are in a hot tub and the pressures related. Because I actually got the idea from some submarine designs. I had done a lot of research with submarines. And these is all like, well, but that's why that stuff's all riveted together with steel. <laughs> so you, you also proposed a leak-proof hot tub, also known as the most expensive hot tub. <laughs> hot tub in the world, right? Exactly. <laughs> like you could do it made out. It would have to be, that technique actually might be possible like in a stainless steel hot tub. There are some manufacturers oh, sure. that yeah. stainless steel hot tub. Yeah. But it would be very cost prohibitive for, yeah. for acrylic design. So, yeah. You never know where technology will go. Yeah. Maybe one day it will come to fruition that you can you can make a leak-proof hot tub. Leak-proof hot tub. That's my goal. So on the reverse, what would you say has been your your best idea that you've come up with? Ever? Or I mean, me? <laughs> I mean, you know, you can well, you can say in, at any point in your career, you can you can pick the one that's um, the most fun. You know, whatever. You know what? Um, all right. So. I guess the one that has, let's talk about the one that I'm emotionally tied to because it, it was when, uh, one of the things that D1 did for me, and I have to give sincere thanks to Bob and Linda Hallam for believing in me. They took a young designer and allowed me to dream. And when I first came to the company, Greg Leverton, rest his soul, he's passed, is no longer with us. He passed away from cancer, but I wanted to design hot tubs and he made me work on the floor for like almost a year. He was like, you can't design them until you know how to build them. So, you know, I That's spent great. all this time in all these different departments. And, and uh, as I was learning to work at D1, then their 25th anniversary as a company came and I had gone to the Barcelona show and I had, had got to walk around and I was looking at Antonio Gaudi's stuff and all of the curvilinear design stuff that was done by Antonio Gaudi. The reason why his stuff was all curvy and organic was because he mostly used recycled materials. He didn't use materials where he could actually get a straight line going, you know? So his stuff became very organic, but I was inspired because I had looked at why is it the in-ground spas were always organic and matched the pool and you had all these you know but above ground hot tubs were all of these primary shapes and nobody had gone organic when i came back they were all like well wood's not curved and that's why we don't do curvy hot tubs and i was like well that's bullcrap because we can do this i was inspired and i presented to bob and linda hallam instead of a 25th anniversary hot tub it was the bay collection the curved linear hot tubs and to this day the bay collection is still one of the to me one of the most sensual 
elements of hot tub design because it combined what traditional pool guys could do with a hot tub. It, it allowed the hot tubs to have this organic flowing shape above ground. You know, our bodies are all curved. Our bodies aren't full of straight lines. And so the outside of the hot tubs always became these box. Everybody talked about the box in the backyard and how do we add some sensual curves to that element? And so the Bay Collection was probably, to me, emotionally, Mm-hmm. As a designer, I was like, I had done something that somebody told me I couldn't do, that I was able to combine some technologies. And then through the, the iteration of that product design, the Amore Bay, to me, was the epitome of understanding at that point, then it got beyond just doing a curvy hot tub. I was able to apply, kind of like I dice with his vacuums, where every one got better. Every Bay Collection hot tub I did, I got better and better and better at the craft of going how do I make the perfect hot tub for a family? Mm-hmm. And when you look at the Amore Bay, you have a curved back wall that people sit and face the two lounge chairs. So all those sight lines in that hot tub, everybody's looking at each other and promotes communication and togetherness. And the therapy in that hot tub is off the hook. Uh, the footwell's got that volcano jet with the tactile therapy. That hot tub was me leveraging every weapon I had ever learned how to do. And every time I sat inside that hot tub, I was like, this is as good as it gets in a hot tub. Yeah, yeah it's, it's iconic. When I think of D1, that's what I think of is the, I mean, specifically the Amore Bay, but yeah, yeah that whole line, that's, I think, yeah. you know, you talk, you talk about making your mark on an industry. I feel like, I feel like you kind of, you kind of did it with that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I really, it's funny because the show, the international show just happened, you know, and it was virtual and stuff, but I was, uh, D1 participated and got to see some of the old images and touch base with Paul Matthews and some of the old people and JT and them. I'm very proud to say that, that hot tub is still serving its purpose today, right? It's yeah. still setting a standard today. The Terracina skirts, the beautiful use of materials, the fountains that shoot five <laughs> feet in the air and still stay in the hot tub. Are you kidding me? Like some of the, the, the you talk about playful and fun. There yeah. here was this whole idea of me, like I wanted to do this battling brook. And I was like, and then and, and the water's gonna stream up. It's gonna do all this crazy stuff. And and like they're sitting to me and they're like they must have thought you were out of your oh, mind. Oh, they were like, okay, this dude, what is he on? And why is he even allowed to do that? <laughs> Those water features, and when you really think about it, they're interchangeable. They, again, we talk about that human interaction. I didn't want a water feature that was static. I wanted the consumer to be able to choose from like the babbling brooks to the grandest of the Caesar's palace, you know, to the flame that's more like rain dancing on the water. So they have all these three different nozzles. And that was one where I had come up with these designs and Angelo was like, oh, you you can't even mold those. We're going to, you know, I had to, you had to work with me and we had to split the design and figure out how to get the injection molding down. And I was adamant about like, you're making it ugly. The audio effect isn't there. It's got to look beautiful and it's got to sound. I want to close my eyes in this hot tub. I want, you were sitting in the hot tub and you could feel like rain coming down on you. I was like, this is like incredible people. And you look at it, nobody else has anything like that. Like water features are this thing that there's only this much room in the bar top. How do you work with that? I really wanted to transcend and create these things that right now my pool has a beautiful natural made waterfall. I turn on the waterfall because I love the audio effect and the Mm -hmm. way it looks. I'm not even swimming in it. So how can we take a hot tub and make it so that somebody would open the cover and turn on the fountains while they gathered around maybe their fire pit and talked, you know, and just hung outside. So I really wanted that hot tub to do something else. Like, can it do something else when it's not being a hot tub? Can it be a water feature in the backyard? I just was blessed to have that opportunity at D1 to live that dream and to have Bob and Linda and Paul Yandel and Sam and Garth and everybody in the engineering and Angelo that 
let a crazy designer who was just willing to challenge convention, because trust me, there were people who were like, you can't build curvy hot tubs. I was like, no, we're, well, we're going to figure it out. We can do curvy stuff. If Antonio Gaudi can do it, we can do it. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely a feather in the cap for sure. All right, are you ready for the last question? Yes. What is your favorite book or TV show or podcast? I mean, movie, what have you been doing to occupy yourself during the pandemic? Is there something that you... <sighs> listener, okay. reader, watcher. <laughs> <laughs> so I read like a lot, huge sci-fi. Oh, really? I'm big, big, big sci-fi. And mostly, I guess that isn't well, much of a surprise. Like right? it just sort of fits with the imagination, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I like big, thick sci-fi. Like, mm. okay. So like the Dune series, Frank Herbert. So, you know, Frank, he wrote some books and they were the most famous ones, but you know, his, his son, Brian teamed up with Kevin J. Anderson and there's really like, there's 17 books in the Dune series. Like oh, it's man. a huge, huge book. And all of them are like this. So yeah, <laughs> I read that. I read that at least twice a year. I go through all 17. Really? Yeah. So that's that, impressive. Love Dune, but I also like Asimov and some of the old Carl Sagan, the old sci-fi where these guys, when, you were, when you're reading it and you're thinking about how they were thinking, then you, then you read the inside cover and they're like, they wrote this in 1950. Mm -hmm. And you know, and it's a book that you're just like, holy moly, like it's still relevant today. Yeah. Right. So it's always so baffling when you see that and you're like, wait, this, they didn't write this in, in 2020 because this is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this year, there's been a lot of great sci-fi TV shows and stuff that have come out yes. that are just incredibly creative and really pushed some boundaries that I've, I've enjoyed immensely. Tell me which one. Oh man. I mean, Watchmen was just so fascinating and interesting and just kind of the history that it showed was great and just weird. And I never knew it was going to happen. Did you ever get into the good place? Yes, it was so great. <laughs> was that so good? I just finished so that. Great. Oh yes. my God, was that yes. so good? Right, so when you really fun. think about all the challenges, well, all the topics that they yeah. subtly covered in that, incredible yeah. way it was so to great. address a very, 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 very difficult subject. I've definitely, and I'm a, I'm a Mandalorian guy. I, I'm actually, I haven't watched the new one because I'm waiting until a couple of them come out so I can binge go. watch two or three right? together, yeah, yeah. right? But I actually <laughs> just got my ornament. Every year I buy a, like get an ornament for the tree and I got Baby Yoda. Oh, so my yeah. Baby Yoda's in this little thing, yeah. right? And so I'm totally like a Baby Yoda dude. He's so cute. Oh my God. I was so excited this year because our five-year-old had, for a period of time had really gotten into Star Wars. And so she wanted to play Star Wars. She called my mother Luke in public multiple times because she was always Luke and it was super embarrassing. And so I was so excited because I was like, great for, for Halloween, we can have Leia or, you know, whoever she wants to be Ray or whatever. And then, you know, the baby can be baby Yoda. And I was so excited. And then she got over Star Wars and didn't want to do Star Wars. Instead, she was Aww. a cheerleader, which was fine. But <laughs> you have a finite amount of time where you can make right? your kid be Baby Yoda. I mean, right? this was my chance, and I didn't get to didn't get to do it. Uh, I I think you still got it. You still have to. Baby Yoda for Christmas. There's still time. Yeah. Still time. <laughs> Baby Yoda right. for Christmas. <laughs> right. Got it. Got it. Get the ears. <laughs> right. Just got it. I think, you know, I think we need some of that stuff. I think I definitely, um, you know, with streaming and stuff, I do think I love the idea that there is some freedom now 
with Netflix and with HBO and these these all of these new networks coming out and challenging the what has been the traditional thing that we would get before. And you're, now you're going, you know what? These guys are putting out really good stuff. And now even Apple, I mean, Apple's starting to put out some content that's just like incredible. So I love it because I think it um it gives us especially with series that where you they can really develop things and and it can be relevant so relevant mm-hmm. and current right now even like so my daughter is a dancer and singer she's a, actually she's a she's a very much a showgirl broadway type she likes the old stuff so we're really into the voice right when we oh, sit sure. in the family yeah. and watch the voice because she's going to sing in Maverick for christmas she's i'm building her a studio in her front room so how fun she just auditioned for frozen and it's all like, they're, it's crazy how they're doing it because they're outside, they're socially distanced. You have all these kids spread out in this area and they're all on their shields and you got directors with a megaphone going on and, but they're figuring a way to do it, right? Yeah. And the last time she just finished a show and they filmed it all in separate with no more than six people ever on the stage. And then they spliced everything together Wow! and made the play and put the play wow. out. And I actually, when it got done, I was like, you know what, for being recorded, like, 25 different times and spliced together. This is actually pretty good. Yeah, that would <laughs> you be know, it was pretty impressive. Sure. So yeah. um, I like the fact that uh, because all that content's available, we can watch Broadway and she went to New York and got to go backstage and stuff. And it's like, she likes the old school stuff. We went and saw Wicked, you know, down center. And she really likes that live performing thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it, it's, it's really uh, for me. So as an artist, as a creative, I draw, I play drums, right? So that's what I used to do when I was a musician. So to watch her as a budding vocalist and to be her biggest critic, more it's like she's like, listen to this, Dad. I'm listening. I'm like, oh, oh, you're off key right there. And oh, she's like, why are you always making those faces? <laughs> oh, that's, that's great, though. It's it's really fun when your kids kind of take on some of your passions, but in their own unique ways. That's like that's one of the most rewarding things I think as a parent. Yeah, I think so. Well, my my parents didn't really support my music as much as they should have. Well, I mean, drums in the house. I can't say that I totally blame them. That's a little bit of a, that's a little yeah. bit of an issue. Yeah, you know, I played clarinet and sax. And that's when I wanted oh, okay. to play drums. She was like, not in my house. So she's never seen me play. But I toured all over the world playing Really? Drums. I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, yeah. So I yeah, have a really nice music room in the front. I'm really, that's what I did for a career before I became a designer. For all these lives that we've lived outside of the hot tub industry that people right? really yeah. think about. Zach's in a band and he plays bass and they still play right now. Angelo plays drums. Uh, we've got like a lot of musicians at CMP. So I mean, so if we ever have a hot tub event, I don't need to hire a band. I can totally just, just get just the CMP guys up. to, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be great. We could have an industry band. We can get people from all over the industry to come together and make beautiful music. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> it would be fun. Well, Vic, it's been so great having you on. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we were finally able to do this. It's so nice to see you, even it's, though, it, I mean, it's been do. well over a year at this point. Well, I'm so, I just, I think you have been, girlfriend, I'm so impressed with you. Oh, well, thank you. That's really sweet of you to say. <laughs> I just, well, I mean, we've known each other a long time and I've watched what you've done and how you've done it. 
very few people, we all know each other. And like, it's one of those things that I'm very proud to say that, you know, I walk around the show, the show used to, or when I talk to anybody, right. everybody knows who I am and what I stand for. And it's that whole thing of being true to yourself and stuff. And you are just inspirational to watch what you've done and to have, watch what you did with your dreams. And it's just like, you're kicking some butt and doing some things <laughs> and making a difference in the industry. And that's something that, you know, ultimately the ones that are in this for certain reasons, that's what we want to do. And so what you're doing with Spa Retailer and Pool Pro and stuff, you should be so proud. I'm so impressed. It's well, just so you. impressive. That's nice so of you impressive. to say. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, thank you for being on, on the podcast. I, it's, no it's been My fun. Pleasure. And hopefully we don't have to go, you know, like another two years before we see each other face to face. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's hopefully this pandemic will be behind us and we can yeah. see each other on a show floor somewhere. I think there's going to be a lot of hugging going on when that happens. Right? Seriously, I know. I mean, can, did you ever think that you would be like so wanting for a hug? <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not much of a hugger, but even I have picturing myself at, like at the next show, I just feel a lot of hugs in me ready. Yeah, to a lot out. of hugs are going to come out. Totally, right? <laughs> All right, well, enjoy the rest right, of your man. day. Thank All you right. and hopefully All we'll right. talk we'll talk soon. All right, you have a good one. Talk Thanks. to you soon. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at sparetailer.com. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. I, it's me, Abby, as you all know, my mom is not a nerd. <laughs> she is only my mom. Hey, you guys, you might want to be continuing this video.